0: I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. How are you doing today?
1: Doing great. It's fun to be in our home, in the studio today, and learning and having conversations. And I'm a curious person, so I love asking the questions, (laughs) getting asked some questions to stay on my toes. Um, But how are you, babe?
0: I'm doing great. You know, we've had some warm weather here up in Minnesota, which is crazy. It's like 98 degrees with like 95% humidity and praise God it's raining right now. So it's kind of like that sigh of relief where you can like feel your soul or be rejuvenated again and be in the studio is also a blast and something that we get to do today. And Josiah, we have new episodes coming out for those of you who are tuning in, Josiah, can you tell them how they can get involved, what they can look forward to and anything that you want to share?
1: Definitely. Every Monday, we just like this. If you're like me, we're made for Mondays. And at the same time, it's like the struggle can be real sometimes. So we want to help you start mm-hmm. your week off strong and start it off right with new episodes, fresh content every Monday morning early. Um, thanks for subscribing, rating, and reviewing yeah. the show and sharing it with mm-hmm. listeners who would be working with young adults, passionate about the next generation. That's kind of uh, our whole heart, right, yeah.
0: It's so true, and we have an amazing guest. I know you've been following this individual, and I believe they follow you back, and you have just been so excited and stoked about this specific episode that we get to embark upon today. So without further ado, do you want to at least give a glimpse of who in the world is behind the other microphone today?
1: Definitely. We're joined, and I'll introduce him in just a second, but we're joined by Paul Burns. How are you?
2: Hey, I'm great. Good to see you guys. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Of course.
1: And for those of you who don't know, aren't connected yet, the keyword is yet. Paul is a believer, builder, maker, dreamer, a husband and father who happens to work at Twitter. Yeah, I said it, Twitter, like our favorite app, (laughs) social media. And um, man, I think that, I think this, and I'll just say it from my perspective, I love being a light in a place that's dark. And I think that quite honestly, social media has a tendency that however we want Mm -hmm. to use it, we can use it, whether it we get sucked into maybe a circle that's toxic or a dark place. I just want to be an encouragement to those who are having a tough day and was honored, Paul, to, to stumble across just following you and get connected online. And I thought it'd be so fun because I believe this generation is globally connected, digitally connected, and you even have a passion of hashtag Twitter faith. So we'll get to dive into all things of faith and technology and social media, <laughs> but would you just mind kicking us off by sharing some of your story with us today?
2: Yeah, um, so good to be here and thanks for having me. So um, so my name is Paul Burns. Um, I We met you and I Josiah, on Twitter, um, so which, fun. which, which is cool. We're meeting in real life right now, which is great. Um, so I grew up in a small town. Um, you know, I went to church as a kid and, um, I always thought that it was, uh, frankly, just a boring thing you do on a Sunday. That totally. was my, that was my interpretation of what faith was. And, um, you know, my dad, Uh, owned a manufacturing company when I was a kid. Um, and so from a very early age, I used to work at his factory in, in the summer. And, you know, I became obsessed with, uh, business with, um, uh, launching new things with making something from nothing with, uh, uh, maybe wrapped into that was this idea of success. I was kind of obsessed with this idea from a very early age. I just remember feeling that. And as I grew up and, you know, learned how to, you know, do things in life and figure out how to think about business. I just became obsessed with my career. I threw myself into my career. I worked really hard, um, and I was just focused on advancing and moving up and just getting that next promotion. And, you know, I, I kind of just, it kind of took over my life and I, I, along the way, totally abandoned my faith, you know, and I became obsessed with uh, just what a career meant. Um, And so I ended up working for a lot of tech companies, a lot of media companies, a lot of, you know, creative companies. And, um, you know, I would say within all of that, there was this just relentless, Endless pursuit of me <laughs> at mm-hmm. the end of the day. And, um, you know, fast forward, uh, you know, a decade or so, I, you know, I have a family, I have a couple kids, um, but I was predominantly focused on me, on my life, on what I was trying to accomplish. And uh, everything else was secondary. And um, I kind of, the relationship with my wife, uh, you know, was not great. Um, you know, the Kids that I had, that I still have at the time, I, I was distant from them. I, I kind of became removed. I was traveling on an airplane all the time. I was in hotels all the time, and you know, some days I would call home to check in my family. Family. Some days I wouldn't, and so my life, uh, the success that I was striving towards was was almost more important to me than anything else. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then something happened to me. I uh, I was running an agency. Um, and it was a creative agency. It was a design agency. It was a, a product development agency. And um, I had started this agency, and we didn't have any clients. Uh, I was in the basement, of renting space from a basement of another company. And um, uh, and I, but I felt confident enough in my own ability, uh, in my own strength, uh, in my own intelligence that, you know, it's all going to work out. Uh, you know, I kind of that sort of Kevin Costner field of dreams approach. It's yes. if you build it, they will come. So I I started hiring a ton of people. I I hired, you know, way more people than I, I probably should have with the anticipation that things will work itself out. I'm confident in myself. Um, and, you know, the sad reality is clients didn't show up right away. Um, and I went a month without any clients. I went two months without any clients. I went three months without any clients and I started to get really concerned. I had hired all these people uh, without any revenue. And I, um, you know, I, I think I did everything I could in my power to try and drum up new revenue. I was pitching business like crazy. I was me, I was burning myself out, um, and then, you know, this like shocking realization occurred to me that I, I may have to shut this whole thing down. I I'm, I may not be able to continue with this thing. And maybe we overinvested. I don't know. But um, maybe I'm not cut out for this uh, entrepreneurial lifestyle. Uh, but all of this, again, I was just so obsessed with myself mm-hmm. and this whole pursuit of myself. And I think what I didn't realize at the time was that God was pursuing me um, during that whole uh lifespan of me pursuing myself i was rejecting him a thousand times but he was still pursuing me Uh, and one morning i came into the office and it was like 6 a.m it was dark Um, no one else was there and i just got down on my knees and i cried and i prayed and i cried out to god in a moment of desperation um that i just don't know what to do and i can't do this on my own and Uh, I need you to take over and I need your help. And uh, I admitted, I think for the first time that I don't, it's not about me. I can't do this. I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you, God. And I don't even know if I knew what I was saying at the time, if I'm being honest. But I think God uses those desperate moments, those moments um, where we we come to the end of ourselves to reveal who He is and to reveal how faith actually starts to work. And um, that was a moment, um, you know, kind of a turning point. And I just had a peace about things after that moment, um, a peace that God would kind of figure itself out. God would figure out my scenario. He would, he would, he would
0: mm-hmm. figure
2: out the plan for my life. And I was, I, so I started talking to God again. I started, um, you know, reacquainting myself with this father who I had kind of abandoned for, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of decades. And I think, um, uh, I found a church and I got connected to a bunch of people who were also trying to find out who they were. And mm-hmm. so, um, anyway, all of this to say is that, um, I I found God in a moment of desperation and um, uh, and built this agency up into one of the fastest growing agencies in the market and we hired a, we ended up getting a ton of clients and hiring um, you know uh, five times as many people and it was I think it was a um, a very real eye opening moment that uh, when I when when we minimize ourselves when we hand things over to God when we we think about the trials and the challenges of the day, and we recognize that we're not going through this on our own mm-hmm. and that we can actually put our faith and our trust in him. Um, you know, sometimes the most incredible fighting position is on our knees. And I think I found that in that yeah. moment. And so anyway, uh, that's a bit of my story. And now I work at Twitter. Um, I'm a, I'm an executive there and I, I do a bunch of things there and I, um, I'm just excited to be, uh, you know, uh, learning what it means to know him more, know Mm -hmm. God more learning what it means to share my faith uh, in the workplace and uh, learning what it means to uh, have a conversation about uh, perhaps the thing that matters most in life. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to do every day is just show up and represent um, Jesus in, in, in a place that may be far from it.
0: (laughs) So good, Paul, thank you for being real and authentic and just going there and sharing so many different Layer dynamics of your story that I think many of our listeners can relate to, whether they're in a role of leadership or pastoralship or volunteering, interning, whatever that is and looks like. There's so many things to be discovered about Christ. And sometimes when we are the most lost, we are the most found, meaning like you get on your knees and you identify the fact that, wow, apart from God, I can't do anything. Where am I supposed to go? There's only up from here. And I think sometimes when we feel like we're in that miry pit, like we just need to look up and God's hand has always been there. Like you said, like God was chasing me or pursuing me this entire time, even though I was constantly rejecting him. And I think many um, of us as leaders, myself included, and this is something that I always want to keep my heart in check with is having the fleshly desire to further our own kingdom in our own strength versus glorifying God and building his kingdom in that process. And I think sometimes we need to have those people around us, that church body around us, those young men and women who are going to call us out and going to call us up, uh, the faculty and staff members that are holding up our arms and we're all recognizing the fact that we're all on the same team. And so for our listeners today, if you find yourself really wrestling with whose kingdom are you building, are you running to God or are you running with God? And um Paul, I just want to say thank you for going there. Definitely. And and recognizing that you are now in A significant role within in twitter and you had alluded to it prior to even me phrasing this question and you i just get to get up and share my faith in a dark world that probably needs it most and what has it been like paul for you to like harness that passion for christ in the workplace while remaining true to what god's called you to and remaining professional. Cause I think that's a tension. We have some marketplace people listening in addition to pastors, but really managing that tension um, healthfully and doing it well, where people will wanna lean into a Christ conversation versus lean out. So how has um, it been like working at Twitter and trying to manage, maintain balance and remain faithful if that's a mouthful right there. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um no it's a good question. I think um I I used to believe that uh there was a work version of me, there was a home version of me, there was a um you know a friend version of me and I I think um I think God just wants you to be you and uh be comfortable with who you are uh and be uh, you know totally honest that hey I'm a work in progress and I don't have it all figured out and um i'm still deeply curious and trying to understand this thing called life uh, the same way everyone else is and and so i think i've tried to really um i used to be super self-conscious about just even sharing my faith um and it's funny you know like as i started to do it i started to actually just declare that you know simple things like hey what'd you do on the weekend you know um being able to declare that oh you know i went to church in the morning and um you know, people, people would, that would spark a conversation. Oh, oh really? You go to church. Tell me more about that. Um, you know, little things like that were just um, small, insignificant, but maybe powerful reveals that people uh, that opened up a conversation uh, with others that maybe they they hadn't expected. Um, we started this thing at Twitter called Twitter faith.
0: You mm-hmm. know, there's
2: a big conversation around inclusion and diversity, um, in corporate, you know, corporate America and corporate culture. And, you know, I think, um, when you think about faith, um, you know, really that's about what, irrespective of what you believe, you should be able to be comfortable talking about that. Uh, and it, you should be able to bring your whole self to work. And so, um, so I think part of that theory is that, you know, we should be able to do that with faith too and talk about our faith and talk about what we care about and what we believe. And if, if faith is how we make sense of the world and how we make sense of decisions and and relationships and how we make sense of how we lead people, um, let's, we should be talking about this stuff and not in a way that's trying to like, there's no agenda behind it. I'm not trying to convince someone of something, but I am trying to be honest with who I am and what I believe. And so I think in, in many ways, um, you know it just became a very freeing moment to be able to talk about this stuff openly at work and you know Josiah you mentioned Twitter faith and you know yeah. this is a group a group we started at um at Twitter and it's um it's a group of faith-based people who you know want to talk about faith um uh, and i think there's like amazing things that come out of that you know the ability to have open conversations about why people believe certain things that they believe um a willingness to explore uh, you know, aspects of faith that may may seem very controversial and taboo, uh, but also a chance to uh, pray for our leaders uh, and yeah. acknowledge that hey, they're making some really tough big decisions in the world right now. That um, that maybe you know, pray, prayer and um, you know, careful intercession and mm-hmm. um, you know, the power of God may actually be a helpful thing yeah, in the in that decision making process. And so we get together and we pray uh, for our leaders and. Uh, It's just a cool thing to be able to do that and to be able to do it with a bunch of your colleagues uh, in a place that, you know, most people kind of don't see as a, you know, quote unquote Christian organization. And so, um, so yeah, I think that's what, uh, what I'm trying to do. And I'm not trying to get hyper-spiritual with people or, you know, like overthink it. I think it's really just like, how do I show up every day and love people like Jesus would? Mm -hmm. How do I um, see the potential in people versus maybe a checkered past uh, how do I you know uh, approach them in a way that's like unconditional love um, without any sort of um, agenda to try and get them to do something um, And I think you know people see authenticity people see people know when you're real um, and people know when, you're trying to sell them something and when you're just you just care about them because they're because you care about them um and so uh and if it produces a conversation with people where they're curious about hey why do you believe that um and what's that thing that you keep talking about and when i post on twitter and all my staff look at that and go i don't understand that thing you're talking about when you're talking about jesus when you post what what does that mean (laughs) um like i kind of invite some some of those questions, you know, like I, I invite people, like people may not fully get it or understand what it means to have a surrendered life or to have a life that is, you know, um, totally focused on, um, you know, Jesus as the Messiah. Like that's a, for a lot of people, that's like, there's a whole bunch of baggage that comes with that. And, you know, all I'm really trying to do is to just like, you know, share my faith openly, but also, um, hopefully it prompts people to ask some questions and we can talk about it. Um, but I don't want to get too caught up in it being like a preachy thing. It's not, um, I'm not trying to preach. I'm not trying to convert anyone. I'm just trying to love people. And, um, you know, the Bible says they will know us by our love. And I think that's,
1: uh, that's kind of what I'm trying to do day to day. That's good. Uh, That, uh, spark of motive is something that you're talking about of like, why are you doing this? why that's a great mm-hmm. question by the way to ask anytime we post anything what's my motive behind right. this why am i posting this and i think that the motive of just genuinely loving people that is a pure motive mm-hmm. and we live um in a world that is so busy especially digital world tech startups or app spaces everything's just so lightning speed 5g mm-hmm. and, and they're working on the next to advance the speed but i love this quote that kind of slows down my soul that kind of describes everything you were just saying about Twitter faith. It's from A.W. Tozer. And it says it is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. And so good. First of all, just love A.W. Tozer. Second of all, like this whole sacred and secular divide is something that, We are complete whole beings, Mm -hmm. financial, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, relational, and and vocational. There's all different parts of our lives that are formed and kind of melded together. And so when there's a divide between this is the sacred side of me and this is the secular side of me, or this is my Sunday Mm -hmm. life church life. And then this is my work life. I think that disconnect is Mm -hmm. something that a lot of young people, young leaders really wrestle with, asking also questions of meaning and purpose. And I know that Micah and I are really passionate about two things. One is the faith of the next generation. Mm -hmm. And also Meeting them at, in a place where they're at and where it happens to be, quite honestly, is their phones, digitally, technology, with social media, with things like podcasts or YouTube and um, mm-hmm. the, the right. online space and vehicle of, of really it can be a way that we can connect with people. And I've lived a life all where most of my life I've followed Jesus. My life was really radically impacted as a 16 year old. Deciding that my, you know, it wasn't my parents' mm-hmm. faith; it was my faith was my own. Mm-hmm. And so, the people that I went to high school with, some of them still follow me on Twitter and on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then I've met people from Hong Kong or just in an airport, and we happen to exchange handles, have a good conversation, and then it's weird how there's also people that maybe I haven't met yet, but I followed or they mm-hmm. followed me and it's just such a beautiful space to be who we are and who God's called us to be is on social media. But following that up, I would just love to know from your angle, working in the tech space, working with Twitter, um, what are you seeing Paul when it comes to the the faith of the next generation of maybe 18 to 30 year olds in their lives in, in social media, but also just in general.
2: Yeah. Um, I I am so hopeful for the next generation, you know, their purpose, their role, their mission. Um, I think what I see, and this just might be my own perspective, but what I see is that a a generation of people seeking authenticity, um, seeking what's real. Um, And I, you know, I don't think, I, I think the next generation is growing tired of the of the fakeness, um, the posturing, you know, the the very beautifully, carefully curated lives (laughs) on social media, I think, I think people just want to be really real. And I think, um, you know, we all have our insecurities. Uh, we all want to be loved. We all want to know, you know, who we are, uh, why we're here. Um, and even if we don't, you know, know how to express that, question that's in our mind, I think it's there beneath the surface. And and we all want to be known um, intimately uh, by, by, uh, you know, someone, something. Um, And I think that, um, so I think a lot of people, um, when you think about the next generation are on a hunt for a feeling, Um, hunt for a feeling of you know, worthiness, a feeling that they're known, that they're important, um, uh, or the very basic level that they're just understood, uh, yeah. and that, that someone is hearing me. And so, um, and if I you know, think about my own life and my team, um, and just the next generation of people that I see on Twitter, you know, if we're not careful, we can we can look for love in all the wrong places, and our feelings can speak louder than the truth about our lives in many ways. And so, when we start to live by feelings and be seeking those feelings of um, of assuredness that you get from a thousand likes on Twitter or Instagram, you know, um, we can we can so desperately want that affirmation that. Um, that our happiness and our joy is defined by our circumstance. Mm. And I, uh, that's what I see, uh, as a, as a watch out for the next generation that we are, we are as good as how we're doing. Um, and the situation that we're in, the circumstances that we are in will determine our outlook on life. And, but I think when we live by faith and when we have a solid rock foundation, um, despite what life throws at us, um, you know, we can be unshakable amidst the circumstances of our life. And I think that's what we're called to be. Um, And that's something deeper. That's that's where you get to the realness and the truth and the power of the gospel, um, where it you strip away the lights and the smoke and the skinny jeans and the cool factor of a service. And you get to the real raw root of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you get to a place where you're like, this thing is like profound. It is like a... Yeah. Earth-shattering, you know, um, redefining moment for an individual. If you really listen, um, so for me, I think you know Jesus is the real deal, and he's like he is truth made cellular in many ways. And so I think once people get a hold of that, um, the honest, the authentic, realness of who Jesus is um, and who's who he's called you to be, uh, I think you know um, that just cuts through all the other stuff, you know, and then you kind of ask yourself, you know, what am I seeking? Am I seeking community? Um, Am I seeking a feeling of happiness? Am I seeking a moment or am I seeking, you know, everlasting peace? Am I seeking joy that, that just doesn't stop? Uh, Am I seeking a reason for getting up in the morning that is beyond my own personal pleasure, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think about the gospel and, you know, it's, it's more relevant today than it's ever been in the history of humanity. And so I think it's, uh, it, you talk about, well, Bible's a stuffy old book. I think it's actually the most relevant document today. And so, um, <laughs> So yeah, I'm, that was just my quick POV. I, I am hopeful, I am optimistic, I am excited about the next generation. And I think there will be a leader and hopefully a whole cohort of leaders that are given birth to in this in this season that we've been in over the last year and a half that are coming out of a struggle um, that are going to breathe new life into what it means to fall in love with Jesus. And, uh, so I'm excited about that. Um, uh, and I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think the the next generation is bright. I'm excited about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Paul, we couldn't agree more. And just really coming out of a pandemic and recognizing the desperation for, for community, for connectedness outside of the social realms. I mean, social media realms. When I say that, and we work with so many young adults so many students even lead pastors really evaluating who are my friends um who are my who who are the people i'm leading who are my lifelong friends how are we doing life are we doing life well are we are we you know symbolizing that through sharing of meals traveling together like like the disciples did with jesus you know and really evaluating that and we always, i always tell i shouldn't say we i always tell young adults and i'm like you guys The Bible is one of the most epic things you can ever read. And here's why. If you like drama, if you like battles, if you like war, if you like murder, affairs, whatever, I'm like, it is all in there. Anything that you put on your Netflix device or Netflix or anything that you're watching, there are so many different stories when it comes to the Bible, but they always point back to God. They always point back to Christ and I think that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a savior. They're looking for purpose. They're looking to wake up with purpose, I think is the biggest thing that we really recognize these last 18 months is what's the point of me getting dressed for the day? What's the point of me getting, you know, out of bed? What's the point of me, you know, fill in the blank. And and many of them have discovered true and real kind of crazy friendships of connecting through social media. So social media can be a phenomenal tool. And we know a lot of leaders, um, whether the pastors or just leaders, or maybe even like my parents' generation, if you're 55 plus, and kind of, you know, this whole stream of media has kind of swept, you know, every generation below them and they shy away from it. My mom, you guys, okay. For the listener, my mom literally has a flip phone for when I went off to college. I graduated high school in 2005. (laughs) So her phone is literally from 2005 and it still works. She's working at the store and this kid is like, what is that? She's like, it's my phone. He's like, no way. (laughs) So I was just so curious of what would you say or how, how would you encourage like this generation? Um, who kind of shies away from social media because they maybe view it as a dark place, a toxic place. There's depression, there's anxiety, there's nasty things, and they only hear that. But why is it important that as we as Christ followers maybe have or take the opportunity to use that to leverage God's kingdom, to be a light in a so-called dark place, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. Like how do we encourage them to get involved and be a part of the story? versus kind of just shy away and hide under the rock
2: <laughs> yeah um yeah i i uh i think flip phones are coming back by the way i think they're gonna make um, a comeback at some point you so your your, your mom may be reactions. like she might just be ahead of the curve we just we don't
0: know just ride the next wave right
2: yeah i i think i think there's um when you think about just this hesitancy to maybe jump in on social media Um, you know, I think we just need to get used to the idea that not everyone is going to love you. And um, but at the core of what we're all trying to do, it it actually has nothing to do with us. Um, And so uh, you know, so I think the, perhaps some of the reason why some people are hesitant to post or why there's like a reluctance to share that thought or connect with someone on social media. There might be a very functional prep, like I don't know how to use technology, but there also might be this sense of like, I'm worried what other people are going to say about me. Mm -hmm. I'm worried what they're going to think of me. Um, Yeah. So we have to get past that. I think we have to get past this idea of worrying that people are going to think weird of you. They will. (laughs) Um, And I think it's just, that's like you know let's just stop worrying about ourselves and what other people think of us you know it's uh it's we have to be bold and courageous and um really get honest with you know what are we trying to do here are we you know are we are we trying to build our own platform or are we trying to build um point to jesus and point to god and so um i think if we look at jesus and his life where he spent time you know he spent time in the streets he spent time in the bars he spent time with people that you know, the religious leaders at the time kind of said, whoa, dude, you you are like hanging out with people I'm not sure I like, Um, but that's where the power was. And I think that's where, um you know, his light became so much more profound, the darker it was. Um, yeah. And, you know, I hear a lot of Christians talk about, you know, the darkness that's in the world. It's so dark there's a lot of unhappy Christians walking around with how dark things are. And I, I kind of just don't get that if I'm being honest, because, you yeah. know, like our assignment here on earth <laughs> is to be the light is to wake up and shine. And I think if we're not prepared to go do that in some of the darkest places of the world, um, then, you know, like we're missing out on the the purpose and the calling that God has for our life. So, and, you know, if Jesus said, you know, I'm going to turn you into fishers of men, um, you know, like, let's think about where are the fish, the fish are conversing <laughs> on social media. And so I think we got to be prepared to, you know, draw some, drop some nets down into that area and uh, just be, be well-versed in the way conversations are unfolding and the way people are communicating uh, in today's world. And that's going to change in 10 years. It's going to ch- like, it's not going to stay the same. And so, um, but we are called to be um, in the world, not of the world. And I think it it, it does allow us to be the light uh, in those dark places. So I get excited by that. I get excited about being able to jump into those conversations. And there is an element of once you are able to connect, I think with people and relate to people and understand kind of their view of the world and how they're communicating and what they're all about only then only once that happens, can you actually, um, you know, be effective in communicating uh, to people. And I, I think, um, I think this all gets back to not trying to come in with an agenda, uh, trying to come in where you're actually genuinely loving people and you're trying to just care for them and learn about them and have a conversation with them. Um, And, you know, in the real world, we might go have a coffee and in the social world, online world, it might look like a a DM chat uh, or, you know, commenting on a post or a little, you know a little few words of encouragement uh, uh, it might actually change the course of someone's day, maybe even their life. Right. Um, and so I think there's power in some of the little things that we could do every day in social media. And so, yeah, uh, I think just think we need to be bold and courageous and stop worrying w- what other people think of us and just, you know, jump in there. Um, <laughs> and if, if it's not that, like, if we're not going to do that, then if we're not waking up every day to be the light, then,
1: you know, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing with our time? <laughs> you know? Paul, I love that. I get excited about this conversation as well. Naturally. I think it's just maybe part of who I am or <laughs> God's unique wiring and design, but that, that uh, I love cups of coffee, by the way, and just hanging out with people. I'm an extrovert. And so love doing that in real life. And I love that illustration of how that's what it looks like across the table, but on <laughs> social media, it might be a thread or a couple of comments or a DM chat, I think just retraining our minds to redefine maybe how we think relationships start or form or continue. And um, with that, I think that what I saw personally the past year and a half, 12 to 18 months is churches, many of them and leaders use social media as kind of a Mm -hmm. promotional Outlet or tool um, to share about their upcoming launches or events Mm -hmm. or services or ministries. And that's great. There's a component of promotion with online and digital. And then also, but it was like, it was really interesting to watch it become more of a pastoral tool as people could actually, well, with the pandemic and everyone's at home, (laughs) there almost every church began a live stream and all these different opportunities. But what would maybe be some practical steps for the church leader listening, who has that vacant social media account that they're they're occupying it? They've got their domain, so to speak. But if they wanted to maybe engage in some conversation or begin dialoguing or testing the water, so to speak, and and also maybe could you cast a little vision of how technology and digital spaces like Twitter? could be a way that churches, leaders, and ministries could share the gospel and their faith?
2: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it's a, great,
2: it's a great question. I think, you know, um, you don't have to boil the ocean to do this right. Um, and I think sometimes we're worried that we're putting something out into the world and it's got to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. And in fact, if the pandemic has taught us anything with Zoom calls, You know like we're living in a world of imperfection and we're getting a window into everyone's real world and so it's um embrace imperfection um it's a beautiful quality it does not need to be perfectly curated um embrace the raw gritty a camera on your mom's flip phone um to take the images you know like sometimes the grittier and the more real the better um don't try and make it you know overly polished um i I think just you know social media is a conversation and far too often we use it as a one-way dialogue are we're, we're, we're broadcasting out a message to the world. Um, and I do think we miss this opportunity to actually listen and engage with people in the comments section. Um, you know, uh, it, you know, when people post something, you know, dropping in and actually just commenting on it, Hey, you know, great, great to see, great to see, you, great to see your face, you know, like little moments like that, just that you're thinking of people. Um, it's about having and establishing a relationship with people. Um, And candidly, if there are people, you know, that, um, that you are connected with on social media, I make it an, like a purposeful intention to comment on my team's posts all the time. Um, I celebrate their birthdays publicly. I celebrate their anniversaries publicly. Um, I comment on the little things that mean something when they show, share a photo of their child, you know, I'm, I'm just sending hearts and sending hugs, you know, like little things just again. You don't have to have this perfectly polished, you know, biblical statement that captures the hearts and minds of millions of people. You could just say, "Hey, I'm thinking about you, and I love you." And so, I think we sometimes overcomplicate it and overheighten the expectations of what this needs to be. It can be really simple, and I think uh, uh, just you know do lots of it and do it do it in micro doses. I think it's helpful. Um, so I think um, you know, for leaders trying to leverage Twitter and to try and make sense of social media platforms. And I think that, you know, a lot of this is just experimenting and, and having a strategy for it. Um, You know, actually thinking about what do you want to communicate? How frequently should you communicate? What is the cadence of communication? Um, How do you want to be listening Um, far too far too um, or Far too, uh, less often, if that's a way to say this, uh, people are using social media to listen. And I love it when people are asking questions, uh, what do you think about insert topic here? Um, it's a great focus group for people to listen and understand how people are perceiving and acknowledging and thinking about a topic that they may be unsure of how to express publicly. Um, so I think for a lot of pastors and for a lot of people who are, you know, stewards of others, Mm -hmm. um, you know, great, great way to get feedback and a pulse check, um, on the way your community is thinking about a topic. Um, is this important or is this important? You know, throw out a couple options. What do you, what do you, what do you want to hear about? What do you want to talk about? What's on your mind? What's pressing? Um, I also think that um, where I see pastors and leaders do a great job is not necessarily trying to have all the answers, but being able to facilitate a conversation with a bunch of diverse voices about a topic. Um, You know, and that that is a great start. Um, Acknowledging that some of these conversations are heavy and challenging. And not easy. There's no binary, one-way answer to some of these questions or topics. But if if Christ is the way we view the world and how we make sense of the world, let's talk about that. How are we all making sense of this thing that's happening in our world right now? Um, you know, and I think it's a the more the more we talk about these things, the more we talk about them publicly, um, the more transparent we can become in how we're wrestling with some issues. Um, I think the more people will engage and be open that we're, we don't have to have all the answers. The more we keep it hidden and behind closed doors and private, I think the less uh, open it becomes for people to engage in perhaps some of the most meaningful conversations we might have in our lifetime. So I just think like, let's just add some add another stick to the fire and just keep talking. And uh, I think that's, that's, that's how I would encourage leaders to think about social media. Don't think of it as a, a one-stop shop broadcast. Think of it a, a two-way conversation a permanent fire that you're just having sticks every once in a while beautiful picture
0: yeah paul i think that's so good even as a leader to recognize like who's the audience you know if my congregation is all 80 people 80 plus in ages for the most part and there's a couple young adults or families sprinkled throughout The 80-year-old probably is not going to pick up their phone and start a Twitter account. They're probably not going to, some of them don't even have internet. And then you have those hip old, um, I call the salt of the earth, (laughs) the older grandmas and grandpas who are just like have smart phones before their grandkids. (laughs) So it's so fun to see just like the different um, people that we get to reach through social media. And we know that we can meet young and old alike and create a safe place where they can process things that are happening in the world. And if we can be leaders and pastors and examples of loving Christ, loving like Christ through the word of God, through the lens of Christ on social media, well, then we're just going to glorify God in that process. And we're going to kind of pivot gears here real quick, but Paul, I would love to hear just your, your opinion or just how you feel about just the next generation why, why why you believe that young adult ministry is important?
2: Yeah, I think young adult ministry is important um, because it is it is in many ways planting seeds for the next not just one generation but many many generations. And so I think your time horizon uh, needs to be longer than you know the young adult. Cohort that we think of as an age bracket. Um, This is we are planting seeds and building families uh, and structuring, you know, future generations times 10. And so I think when we think about it generationally uh, and the impact that it can have, I think it's one individual actually means potentially a thousand. And so I think it's just a powerful the role is a multiplied role and the role of impact is multiplied. And I think God wants, God is a God of multiplication and he wants to multiply the impact. And so I would never want us to think about, you know, the young generation as uh, as, as an isolated, independent, finite thing. It's um, you are, we are building families by focusing on this, this generation. We are, we are building you know, grandchildren, we're building generational impact. And I think that that just gets me excited when I think about it that way. <laughs>
1: good. Same here. You know, we, we're young parents. Um, we've been married four years. We have a 14 month old daughter at the time of recording this. And then mm-hmm. six weeks away from the next little, little one to join us in our, in mm-hmm. our family. of the next. Congrats.
0: Thank you <laughs> Thanks
1: so much. But when you, when you say it like that, of we're building families, it, it makes me think of, our college students that we're connecting with at gatherings and weekly small groups Mm -hmm. and just special events and just the potential of a future marriage, the potential of their kids, their grandkids. And it's, it's crazy to think about, you know, because it all goes so fast too. So I love that answer. And Paul, we want to tap into five final thoughts. We call it the five and five kind of rapid fire, almost like a home run derby for the sports fans out there. Um and are you up for that challenge, by the way? Let's let's do it. I'm okay. In. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, off? I'll kick us off. If you there could you describe yourself in three words or maybe 280 characters or less or one tweet, if you could describe yourself in one tweet, what would it be?
2: Um well I will I will use my um my Twitter bio that I think you already used, but believer, builder, maker, dreamer, husband, father. And I'll add another one, son. So um, yeah, that's 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 perhaps a good a good description of me.
0: <laughs> All right, here's a fun one. That, this is off script. This came to my mind while you were just talking. Okay, and this is your opinion. So we don't have to get theologically sound on this by any means. But if Jesus had Twitter, what do you think he would say?
2: I think if Jesus had Twitter, um, I think he would be. He would be doing a lot of listening. Um, I could see the Sermon on the Mount being streamed live via Twitter. I could, um, uh, yeah, I could see him just dropping into people's DMs um, with a, hey, I love you. I'm thinking about you today. Uh, I could see, um, yeah, I could see him not being too concerned with his follower count, (laughs) Um, but people would be so attracted to what he's got to say and what he's got to offer even though they couldn't understand why. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Those might be a few thoughts.
0: That's oh fun. Oh my gosh. That's inspiring. Well, friends, to me. But a million views, <laughs> billions of views.
1: <laughs> that's good. You know, I, I just picture too, like questions seem to do really well on Twitter and Jesus was like known as this rabbi who taught through yeah. asking questions. So, that's, that's kind of fun to just imagine great question um, <laughs> Speaking of questions Paul if you could ask Mike and I anything one question what would you ask us
2: what what are you hoping for both of you
0: What are we hoping for I think in the ministry world and the call on our life is kind of a theme that we experienced this last um, young adult conference that we were able to host back in March
1: yeah March oh my
0: gosh time's going so fast. And it is um, breakthrough miracle power that everybody that we come in contact with, that we take the presence of God with us, that we tap into the, the Holy Spirit knowing that the, the spirit uh, that raised Christ from the dead is within us and has that same power to experience the healing miracles that were seen in the, in the Bible, as well as relevant for today. Uh, the breakthrough of anxiety and depression and um, family trees being changed. So I just think breakthrough miracle power are the three words that we've kind of been honing in on, focusing on, as well as um, just praying to this next school year that we're stepping into. And it's um, hold nothing back to live a bold, life dedica- dedicated to Christ, um, hands down, um, you know, to what God has and, you know, just be ready for the battlefield that we are. I don't want to be a spectator on the sideline and I don't want to raise children that are spectators on the sideline. I want them to have skin in the game, skin in the kingdom for God, and to live that out as well as anybody that comes across our ministry. So those are some things I've been praying in and through and just declaring, but also like desiring for others. Um, So I can't make it their desire, but I can definitely pray that that could be.
1: I love it. Man, it's hard to top that because that's just our heart. Micah, you articulated that so well from breakthrough miracle power to holding nothing back. I think the thing that God's teaching me most, Paul, right now that I'm hoping to grow in is fear not. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm 29 years old and there's things that still intimidate me that i'm afraid about maybe what people would think if i said this or afraid to talk to that person because what if they ghost me or don't well, you know what whatever it may be but i guess i think god's just mm-hmm. really teaching me to have the same spirit that christ rose you know from the grave that same spirit lives in me and so i don't need to be timid or shy or hold back or be fearful or mm-hmm. wait because Life goes so fast, mm-hmm. so I guess I'm just hoping to to make the most of life here on Earth in a way that points the next generation to Jesus. It's good, so that they can know the goodness of God in the land of the living.
0: So go. that's a great question, Paul. Did we so answer good. well?
2: You did. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, well, enough for today. Okay, the next one's mine, right? Yes. All right, question number four. We love to learn from leaders, and our listeners love this question probably just as much as we do because we just want to learn and sometimes we get a laugh and sometimes we get really serious in this next question. So, uh, Paul, would you be willing to tell us about one of your Epic failures that you've experienced in life, family, leadership, and just expound on that quickly for us?
2: Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'll give you one from life and one from, uh, my professional experience. So in life, I would say I fail multiple times uh, an hour, uh, if not, I'm probably failing right now, but, um, my, my wife and I, you know, like any marriage, when there's important stuff to talk about, we'll, we'll fight about those things, um, invariably, or my kids will have, uh, you know, a difficult confrontation about a topic or an issue. And so, um, and I think, um, what I've learned to do in those moments when, when there's tension in a relationship, when, when uh, you know, when there's you know pressure being put on a relationship, it is um, it, to really acknowledge where my focus is. Is my focus on me? Uh, is my focus on my own well-being? Am I be, am I getting offended? Um, which is a way of just me thinking about me, or am I really thinking about trying to understand the other person? Mm -hmm. And I think what I have learned in all of this is the number one step is just to seek to understand. And so Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, I'm trying to pause and just trying to let me, let me understand what, what I hear you saying. Um, I, I found that to be a really valuable step, um, when I when I miss it on a on a relationship front, um, seek to understand first. Uh, on the on the professional side, one of the things we do at Twitter is we've got this thing called Chapter F, and Chapter F is a weekly. Failure used to be this like bad word um, that if you, that we only celebrated successes. And so chapter F is this thing we do every week where someone talks about a failure, mm-hmm. uh, what they learned from it and how they, how they're actually going to, how it was a valuable experience. And so instead of um, reward, instead of like chastising them for the failed attempt, we're just rewarding them that they, they gave it a shot. We're trying to highlight the attempt. They swung for the fences and they missed That's okay. I'm glad
1: you went for it. So that's, that's, that's something we've, we've tried to put into play here. That's amazing. That is really inspiring. And Paul, just as we wrap up, like if there Mm -hmm. was one thing that you could maybe encourage a young adult pastor, a campus minister, you know, campus missionary or campus ministry Mm -hmm. leader, working with college students, investing their lives in the next generation, how would you encourage them? Or what one piece of advice would you have for them today?
2: Yeah. Um, well, first I would just want to thank them, um, for everything that they're doing, uh, because they are shaping and building and nurturing the next generation. They're planting seeds today that will be Sequoia's tomorrow. And so wow. I think just, it is probably the most incredible work to pour Christ into the lives of future mm-hmm. leaders. And so thank you. Is this the thing I would say to that, this group, and I think just keep going. Um, that uh, there's going to be a million and a half distractions and reasons to stop, but uh, you are building a legacy through the work, the work you're doing today, even though it may feel arduous and small, um, you're building a legacy for the next 10 generations. So thank you.
0: (laughs) That's great. Well, Paul, you said it well for the listener today. Keep going. Um, You're building, you're building things today that you're not going to necessarily see tomorrow, but those seeds are being planted you are doing, you're, you're doing a great work and don't come down from it. So Paul, thank you so much for joining yeah. us.
2: Thanks for having me here today. It was so fun. Love was... meeting you both and yes. chatting with you both. <laughs> so yes. Fun. What a
0: great conversation. We got to tune in with uh, Paul today and thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Paul Burns and hashtag Twitter faith. When you connect with us on our website, um, www.youngadults.today as well as our social social media platforms across the board at youngadults.today until next time this is Micah and Josiah signing off.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.
1: Oh, I'm getting charged up right now, yeah